But I mean, I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> I got a clue. But hey ho, you know, let's just pick up the camera and go for it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this Art360 podcast. I'm going to be talking to artist, writer and activist Lynn McRitchie about her role in documenting the Arts Festival for Democracy in Chile, which took place at the Royal College of Art in London in 1974. Lynn was one of the early members of Artists for Democracy, which were the group responsible for organising the festival. Some of the artists and activists Lynn will mention include Cecilia Vicuña, David Medalla, John Duggar and art critic Guy Brett. This is explained more in the podcast, but for brief context, the Arts Festival for Democracy was founded in response to the military coup in Chile in 1973, in which the democratically elected Salvador Allende was overthrown by General Augusto Pinochet, leading to an authoritarian military dictatorship in Chile from 1973 to 1990. We have also included links to writing about the festival and Lynn's work in the description for this podcast and the videos of the Arts Festival for Democracy in Chile can be accessed via Lynn's website, which is lynnmcritchie.com. I hope you enjoy listening. So Lynn, what is the Arts Festival for Democracy? Well, the Arts Festival for Democracy in Chile was held in London in October 1974. And it was basically a response by artists and cultural workers, as, as a term we used at the time, to the coup in Chile, which had taken place uh, about a year before, in September 1973. That was when the... Uh, democratically elected socialist government of the popular unity party under Salvador Allende uh, was brought down by a military coup led by General Pinochet uh, who uh, and considerable repression followed that uh, particularly of artists, writers, musicians the cultural sector was particularly targeted and uh, artists were rounded up, tortured and murdered basically. The response throughout the world was one of horror and so this was a cultural response to that event. And so who were some of the key figures involved in AFD and how did you come to know them? Yes, well, it was an interesting conjuncture of people because um, there were four people, Cecilia Vicuna, the Chilean artist, David Medalla, an artist from the Philippines, John Duggar, an artist from America, and Guy Brett, the writer and curator. Uh, Cecilia had come to London uh, as an artist based in, in Chile. Anyway, when Cecilia uh, found herself stranded here in London. She got involved with the Chile Solidarity Campaign. So she had given a talk at the ICA and Guy Brett had attended this talk and been very, very struck by, as, as, as everybody was, by, by the Chilean situation, very struck by Cecilia. Anyway, the four of them came together in London and discussed the coup. What could they do to support artists and and make a stand, make a, make a protest about this terrible event. And what they did was they founded Artists for Democracy. 
and and its its main aim was basically to support liberation struggles which were going on all over the world at that time but to support them through cultural work mm. i'm just interested to know as well where those conversations were happening where where was that kind of group coming together <laughs> mostly in david medalla's tiny little room in 3a newport place soho uh, once once the once the once they had decided to so the first thing they, they did several things the first thing they did was was make a beautiful banner that John Duggar designed, um, which was used in, you see it in photographs of the big uh, Chile Solidarity demonstration in London. So that was the first kind of manifestation of, of Arts for Democracy. The main manifestation was the, the, the Arts Festival for Democracy in Chile, which, was, um, which they decided to launch. And, and, and they came together in May. AFD was initially founded in May 74, and the festival was held in October. Uh, there were regular meetings to organize the festival, which were being mostly held at Guy Brett's flat. Uh, I ran away to London from Scotland, and I knew three people in London, and one of them was David Medalla, and I went and knocked on his door in Soho. And he opened the door and took one look and said, ah, Lynn, you've got to be involved in this exhibition we're having. So I said, OK. And that turned out to be the Arts Festival for Democracy in Chile. So I became a regular attender at meetings at Guy Brett's flat. Basically, it was all done by word of mouth. I mean, there was, if you wanted to make a phone call, you had to go to the phone box on the corner and it, it was all word of mouth. So, but the word spread and it's important to emphasize how this, the, the events in Chile had, a, had really, really resonated throughout the world, not just with artists, but with, there was a very strong trade union movement at that time, for example. So there was a Chile Solidarity campaign, which was supported by the trade union, student movement, feminist movement. It, it brought people together. It was so awful. It was such a sort of horrible shock and it was so awful that it brought people together. So, so people attached themselves to the festival, if you like. If you wanted to be involved, you came along to the meetings at Guy Brett's flat. It was discussed what you might do, what you might contribute. And if everybody supported your idea, you, you went away and got on with it. That, that was how it was done. It was highly, highly, highly democratic. Mm. And so what, what role did you play in relation to AFD? Well, I found myself involved ever, ever, you know, having stumbled into David's flat, I, I was immediately involved. So I attended organising meetings, but David came up with the idea that I should videotape the festival. Now, all I knew about making video was playing with a, a Sony Portaback at Edinburgh College of Art for about five minutes. It, it was not taught, it was certainly not taught at Edinburgh, I don't think it was taught Edinburgh, anywhere. It was very, very new technology. But somehow or other, David, I don't know if I told him or if he'd seen me, but anyway, he got it into his head that I, I could videotape the festival. And it was such a... I found myself saying yes. You know, the meetings, they were so... They were so inspiring in a way. I thought, yes, of course, I'll videotape the festival. So that was my main role. So that meant I had to find a way to do this. And that, thanks to the environmental media department at the Royal College of Art, which was where the festival was held, I was able to borrow equipment and videotape the festival. How, how did you feel about that? I think that being the first time you kind of picked up a camera. 
very excited. I just did it and got it was I had come to London to be able to be an artist in the way that I had been struggling and struggling and struggling to be an artist in Edinburgh. And I was a student of fine art. I went to Edinburgh Art College. I went to Edinburgh University. It was a highly, highly academic, disciplined course. And I was, I was desperate to find a way to, to make art work that was more involved with, with all the things that I saw going on in the world at the time. And that was that was a major motivation in my in my leaving leaving Scotland and heading down to London, and sure enough, thanks to David, I was instantly welcomed into this this world of of radical artists. So I, I felt as if I'd found my place, I'd, I'd found my role, and I was going to do it. There was no way I wasn't going to do it. I mean, I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> I've got a clue. But hey-ho, you know, let's just pick up the camera and go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in the beginning of the film that I watched, the statements, yes. um, there's a speaker in the first symposium that doesn't show their face. Mm. And I guess that kind of relates to, you know, the fact that there were people participating in AFD that were exiles and there was a real kind of, they had a lot at stake. Yes, absolutely, because the regime hunted people down and murdered them. <laughs> sounds, sounds awful, but it's true. So uh, also a lot of people who took part in the festival were engaged in the solidarity campaign. So a lot of them were helping people who were in quite extreme circumstances and that was how that particular speaker came to us so we had to be very careful and she addressed the the women it was the women's forum well one of the there were several women's forum, and and her her particular area was dance so she was talking about how uh d dance had it uh, under the popular unity government, uh, dancers had moved out into the countryside and brought dance performances to people living in villages outside the main cities. So there had been the popular unity government supported art on, and culture on, on every possible level. And uh, the the military regime cracked down on that right away. So she, she, was, she was an exile and she was in danger. So we had to be careful about things like that. Mm. And, and as the person recording that mm. festival, how did that feel for you? What was that experience like of knowing that there were certain things you could show and couldn't show? Well, it was very much... This was... It probably, I had no idea about things like release forms or asking permissions. I don't think any of us did at those days because this was 1974. You know, the portapacks had only just become something that was available. I was careful to be briefed about people that we had to be specifically careful about. But otherwise, I just went ahead and, mm. and filmed individuals, which now, when I think of it, I think, oh, my goodness, you know, I'd, 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 maybe I should have been more careful. But at the time, I, I, there was also a sense that, you know, we were all in this together. It was a very, it was a supportive environment, and I felt as if the... That my videoing this, this was part of the support structure, if you like, because... It, it 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 would enable it would enable the work we were doing at the festival to become visible, and I I was very very committed to that. And it was actually really interesting to see, because obviously there was a limitation on what you could film, 
to see that audience, but also you can you can sort of tell that um, an artist has filmed, has documented the festival because of the focus on the hand gestures, and the way that people's the way that people are filmed feels quite, you know, that there is a sense that it's not just like pure documentation. That there well, is, I was very um, excited to be. I found using the camera very exciting um, because because you could zoom in to people and I I used that a lot because I was it was like for me it was almost a form of listening I was so concerned so engaged in in, in what the speakers and contributors were saying that I, I found the the moving the camera the zooming the camera in was like my way of kind of kind of absorbing this, if you like, sort of a visual way of, of somehow absorbing all those ideas. And I, I enjoyed that mightily. I also tried to pull out a little bit to show, to show because we basically built the festival round about us so there was always construction going on there were there, there were banners and flags everywhere there was a beautifully installed the exhibition of donated work was very nicely installed but we also built uh, a favela on on the stage in 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 the hall at the RCA because um that was what that was how the poor people constructed their homes in Chile self built sort of homes so we made a, a structure like that on the stage so all the time I was was filming sort of discussions and presentations there was all this other work going on in the background so you can you can hear it on the soundtrack you can hear it sort of banging and crashing people practicing music or something it was a hugely kind of lively atmosphere which mm. I I I, I was uh, n none of this was conscious it was a very kind of very kind of unconscious it was a very it was a very personal response, really, which it, I, nowadays I, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I work with professional camera teams and stuff like that. So it was interesting for me to see how I'd filmed that. And I think that was the main thing. It was such a very important emotional response, I suppose, for me. And somehow that's in the film, that, that desire to be close, that, that being part of this and... and Maybe it, maybe it comes through. Your, your remarks suggest that, that that maybe it does come through. That it, it's now it involves a viewer now trying to see what these blurry black and white images are actually conveying. <laughs> yeah, I definitely got that sensation because I think at some points you're sort of sitting on the floor. Yes. As well, you know, you're sitting on the floor, and sometimes when you're kind of panning to the audience, they're sort of smiling at you. You know, there's a kind of that sort of interaction and like being a part of it yes. is very clear um and also the part as well I mean it's the, the only part in that particular film when you hear your voice when you're talking to Jun Terra yes. about the Red Star Shadow, yes, the Puppet, Shadow Puppet Theatre yeah yes yes and it kind of gives a bit of an insight into what was happening in the in-between between the documentation possibly yes Yes, the Junter is very interesting because, as well as doing his work with the shadow puppets, he also took part in the symposium about art and politics in Asia. 
because he's from the Philippines. So he gives a very kind of strict and very stern report on the struggle in the Philippines. In, in one session, which is also part of the statements tape, and then at the, towards the end of the tape, I interviewed him about, about his use of shadow puppets, which is a, a, an, an ancient Southeast Asian uh, cultural form. So he had, he had used them. Um, he could see the potential this had to make political statements. So that was, that was what we were discussing in the interview. Mm. The, I mean, the interview is really fascinating. I guess kind of what comes before that in the film is the documentation of the performance happening. Um, and I guess you kind of get a sense of like, I guess a kind of like emotional response, but also the symbolic possibilities of that yes. art form. Yes. And I guess what's interesting about the conversation is he sort of says it's it's not an art form necessarily in maybe Filipino culture. I'm not sure if I've quite got that right, but it kind of comes across like that mm. to a Western viewer, which is exactly what my experience well, was Well, like. I think what June was saying was that to a Western viewer, it looks all very arty and sort of, which it is, it's absolutely beautiful. It's, it's a delightful art form, but, but it's, it's actually a, an art form that's very rooted in these it's ag agricultural agricultural cultures like the Philippines, for example, which very much so you've seen those wonderful photographs of you know tiered rice paddies in the so there was a whole there was a rhythm there was a rhythm to food production and the cultural realm of the community uh, related to that. There was like a timetable, if you like. So once the rice harvest had been gathered in, people would have time to rest and relax, and they would enjoy the shadow puppets. And, and, but the shadow puppets would relate to their... their it would be... Would it be what? Cultural. It would be their their religious stories or their their the old stories from their culture and history that would be would be presented in the form of these shadow puppets, and June was bringing that ancient culture. He was using that ancient cultural form, not because it looks beautiful, which it does, mm -hmm. but as a way of of using that very ancient and embedded form in to deal with political issues. Mm. And I, I guess there's kind of this like thread that connects a lot of the different contributions to AFD, which is kind of going back to the social and democratic elements of culture before colonization, yep. before capitalism. Yes. yes. I think it's very interesting because that that is such a key topic now in in, in all the debates around art. There's so many debates around art and art production, visual art production, going on at the moment. For example, at Documenta, for example. Um, and I think looking at the AFD recordings now, uh, this was shot in 1974. I mean, it's incredibly pretty. It's like the beginning of that. It's the beginning of um, uh, people realizing that you've had this imperialist culture imposed on you, you know, because another nation has come in and taken over your country. Because several speakers talk about it. They talk about it in the Afro-Caribbean seminar, for example, very specifically. And they're trying very consciously to establish a presence within London 
that feels um, authentic to them. So as well as having to defend themselves within the, the kind of very racist, very difficult economic environment in which they were having to live, they're also rediscovering the things that were the basis of their own culture as a kind of way of doing that. But it's, very, it's the very, 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 it's the, I, w I would say, looking, looking at, the, at the videos now, I would say this is the emergence of this, it's the very beginning. And, and our t uh, the, the Chile Festival it was a kind of, a, a very early exemplar of that, I think. Mm. Yeah, I, I wanted to also just ask about the idea of like you know, politics and protest, like the kind of the festival is this kind of two week protest that kind of came across to me and how relevant that is to like a contemporary context. Yes, 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 yes. Well, there were so many different factors in that because it, it it brought together it, the the Chilean support organisations were very very active, and they were a very broad spectrum, you know, including the trade union movement, which played a big. Which there's a there's a videotape of the opening ceremony, and there's a gentleman called Brian Nicholson, who's a a, a London dot worker. A member of the trade union congress, and he gives an amazing speech about what the trade unions had done to support the struggle. Things like, you know, parts that were supposed to be going to Chile to make war planes or something, and they're, you know, the guys in the rail on the railway, the RMT members are sending them all off to all around the country rather than getting them to live. That that kind of active, very very active. Um, action, not just protest, actual action to to disrupt militaristic action that, that we had found so horrifying. So it was a very rich range of people who were engaged with the festival. Mm. It would be really interesting just to kind of talk a bit more as well about your role as a filmmaker and like how, how much do you feel that you are present in the film? I think we touch on this a bit in like the kind of artistic choices and things like this, but when you watch it, do you feel your own presence? Well, I'd never thought about this until you raised the question, but um, I suppose the answer is that I'm totally present in the way the film is shot, as, as, as we discussed earlier, mm. um, because I think because I felt so engaged in what was happening, I felt so so much part of it and so close to it, that that, and also because I was enjoying learning to use the camera and, and learning to use the zoom, learning to use all of this, um, and I knew nothing about things like lighting or you know I I did when when I shot the opening ceremony I I must have borrowed a tripod I must have had the good sense to borrow a tripod because that's shot from a static camera, everything else is shot handheld. And that was good, you know, because that meant I could move around, I could be close to people, I could, I could be part of them. It, it feels like, it feels that I really wanted to be as close as I could possibly be to these people and sort of engulf them in the visual record I, I was creating. That was really important to me. Mm. And I would really love to know, so like, what, what was the most memorable thing for you about the festival? 
Well, for me, it was it was one way of describing it was like it was like the art school I'd always wanted to go to, you know, because I'd struggled through my five years doing my incredibly academic courses in, in the art school and the university. In retrospect, very useful, but at the time, extremely painful. And when I came down and to London and got involved with the festival, th this was it. I, I felt I was in this place where I could learn, I could discuss. I was amongst people who also wanted to learn and discuss. It, it was a hugely kind of fertile um, environment. And I mean, I was very young. I was very, completely naive. No doubt there were artists taking part who were, you know, doing their best to get their work shown or something like that. But not the ones I spoke to, you know. It, it felt like somewhere we had... It felt like... I mean, I wanted art to be able to do good in the world. It sounds so naive, doesn't it? It was naive, but it's an honourable intent. And I, I felt that, that that environment, that was what that was struggling to do. You know, it was actually trying to use culture of all kinds, because it wasn't just visual arts, you know, we had musicians there, we had dancers there, we had... It was a wonderful spectrum of the arts. And uh, I found it, and, and all brought together for this good purpose. So mm. I found it Im immensely inspiring, immensely inspiring for me. And I'm very proud of being part of it. And it's still there somewhere, you know, in my, in my DNA as an artist now that, you know, I, I've kept that thread all the way through that as an artist, you, you don't just go off and paint a picture, you know, whatever picture you paint, I mean, it's fine to go off and paint a picture, but whatever picture you paint is going to have been produced within a certain kind of social and political environment. And that was what I was seeking to explore in my own work. And at AFD, I found other artists who were if we were working in a similar sort of way, there was always a questioning element to everything. Nothing was taken for granted. You questioned how you were doing something and, in a sense, why you were doing something. So for me, it was a hugely... It was very fertile. It was inspiring. It was inspiring. And I, hope, I, I think it was like that for other people, too. That was the impression that I got at the time. And, and to just reinforce that, uh, the fact that younger artists and writers and curators have discovered the festival and are exploring it through the videos and 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 um, and other documentation that exists and they're responding to it very very powerfully now I think that that reinforces that that sense that this was something very special and it, it was inspiring and in the work that you've made since can you see sort of like traces of your experience of the AFD or kind of influences in particular works? Well, very interestingly, uh, I, when I went back to the studio in 1996, having spent a lot of time writing about art, but not actually making art, I, I, I returned to the studio to restart my art production in 1996. And I had no idea what would happen. I had no idea if we'd be able to do anything at all. So I'm getting my studio assembled and I'm, you know, digging out stuff, you know, sketch pads, drawing pencils, things that I hadn't used for, you know, dec literally, dec literally decades. And amongst my stuff, I found a little crumpled up paper bag. 
difficult. Let's be fair. So I opened up the paper bag and inside it were all these tiny little black and white photographs I had made for a subsequent artwork that I was making for AFD for a subsequent event, which was the Arts Festival for celebrating the victory in Vietnam, victory of the Vietnamese people. And... Um, I didn't actually complete that artwork at the time because by, by then my, my sort of engagement with AFD was coming to an end. But by amazing chance, I had these little photographs which were of American GIs. And I'd been planning to make a very big installation based on these, but I'd, I didn't do it at the time. But I'd obviously put them away and, and obviously kept them for all this time. And they became, those photographs, four of those photographs became the basis for the first artwork I had made, actual artwork, since I'd stopped working with AFD in 1975. So in 1999, I did my first exhibition since I did the big installation I did um, at, at AFD in Whitfield Street called The World in a Grain of Sand. That was the last major work I had done. And in 1999, I did my first one since resuming making artwork. And it was, it was an installation based on the projections of four of those images of the GIs that I had made in 1975 in the context of AFD. So it was like a, great, a circle had been closed and I literally started where I had left off mm. and I'd left off at AFD and picked up from them. I guess that kind of relates to the value of the record and the value of documentation, how important that is mm. for the memory of AFD. And yeah, it would be good just to hear about, you know, the, the fact that you've saved this mm. video documentation and that means that the FD can have a continued life. Mm. Yes, so I was editing the tapes because they were going to be included, well, I hope they were, I was going to submit them for the video festival at, at the Serpentine Gallery, which was held in May 1975, which was like another very key event because it included, I think it was one of these things that if you submitted stuff, it got shown because it included a huge range of stuff from, because by that, by 75, video was, it had filtered out and it was being used by community, as well as artists, community groups, all sorts of people had cottoned on to what you could do with video. So I was editing the tapes to be shown at that event because I thought it was very important that they should be shown there. Um, and then, of course, I had these tapes and I, I popped them in a box and kept them. And I, I threw endless house moves and changes in life and lifestyle and all the rest of it, but I always kept them. They were, they were always precious, and I always kept them. And then in 2014, I got an email from Cecilia Vicuna to say, hello, I'm doing this big exhibition at the Museum of Memory in, in Santiago about my archive of artists for democracy. And I'm trying to contact anyone that I can find who was involved. And, you know, are you there? <laughs> and what can you contribute? And I said, well, certainly, you know, I had one photograph of me videoing the opening ceremony. I said, I've got this photograph of me videoing the opening ceremony. And Cecilia wrote back and said, well, have you got the videotapes? And I said, yes, yes, I've got them. And she said, well, can we show them? <laughs> 
I said, I don't know, you know, they're these huge old videotapes in, in a box, but I'll find out. And, and that was how they were rediscovered. And amazingly, miraculously, it was possible to digitize them. And so they were, their first outing into the world after all that time was in, was in Santiago. I mean, how appropriate is that? It was in Santiago at, at, at the show of, of, which was based on Cecilia's archive of AFD. And since then they've, they've been, they've come back out into the world and been shown at Tate and, you know, people can find them on my website and people are responding to them. So, but it was just, it was the first, I didn't keep them deliberately, you know, I have an archive of my work, but there is that huge gap in it from, you know, being a producing artist to being a writer about art. And then when I went back to being a producing artist, there was the AFD stuff kind of waiting for me. And what was it like to reconnect with Cecilia Fukuna after that length of time about something that was so important to you? Well, it was wonderful because uh, she and her curator, were, they were trying to find people who were involved with AFD and they found me, fortunately, and anyone they found, we were all invited to write, they asked us three questions, as a contribution to the catalogue, they asked us three questions about, you know, our, our experience at AFD and, and what it felt like at the time and, and what we thought it meant now. So. And I was delighted to have an opportunity to rethink that experience and, and write these little, just about half a page, page piece for the catalogue. So that felt like a wonderful opportunity to do that. And um, since then, I have reconnected with Cecilia once at the Serpentine, when she did her big installation there, and just, just the other week at, at Tate, because she's now, as everyone knows, doing the, doing the installation at the Turbine Hall. And that's been just very moving, actually, because we've, in the last two years, we've lost David Madala, we've lost Guy Brett, but there's Cecilia, there's me. And there's the work out in the world. How do you, you know, how do you hope that the film might be used in the future? What is nice is, is how it's being used now. Yeah. You know, I, I can't really speak. In a sense, this is the future, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> as far as as far as you know, my efforts of fifty years ago are concerned. And I'm delighted that it's that it is being used because that was why I made it. That was why I made it. I made it because I thought that what we were doing was important, and I I was I was I was thrilled to be able to record it because I thought it was important. And I've obviously kept it with me for all this time because I thought it was important. So the fact that, that, that it is being, being reassessed in so many ways, and it's so interesting, the discussion I'm, I'm having with the young artists and curators who've rediscovered it and getting their input and their take on all these things. And obviously that's, that's what art is, that's what art can do. You know, you make art and you put out your little statement into the world because you want it to be part of a, a conversation. So I would be very happy if these tapes continue to be a, 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 a stimulus to, to discussion about what art can do, because art is, it's so, it's so important, you know, the cultural realm is so important because that is where we address our, the issues that unite us as humans and divide us as humans. And that's where it's addressed. 
And, you know, if, if these little tapes can help, can continue to be a part of that discussion in any way, I, I, that's them doing what I hope they would do. Mm. Well, I'll just say then thank you so much for sharing and being so generous and talking about your experience of what was such an important and fundamental moment, I think, in the history of art and, you know, political action and activism. So thank you very much for sharing. Well, thank you for allowing me to do so. Thank you again for listening to this Art360 podcast with Lynn McRitchie. You can find out more about Lynn's work at www.lynnmcritchie.com. If you'd like to support Art360 Foundation, you can also find out more about our work on our website, art360foundation.org.uk.